and welcome everyone. Hello, hello to all of you uh, to Australia on 99.9 for cricket. Every day, I'm Melinda Farrell. Joining me today is a weary Bharat Sundaresan. Uh, we'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube or the 99.94 app several times every week. So please rate, review and subscribe. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Uh, now, for those of you who are just listening and can't actually see Bharat, you'll see it. He's wearing a very plain T-shirt for him. We know that uh, he's generally much more colourful, but does have a very fetching hat. Well, well it's a bucket a bu- hat. And the bucket hat is uh, just because I was so sucked into the whole nostalgia the other day uh, during that first ODI in Adelaide, Melbourne. There was so much talk. I mean, there was more talk uh, and I loved it, loved every bit of it about how one day cricket used to be uh, in the 90s and 80s in Australia. Right. It was it had such a charm to it. And bucket hats uh, were a big part of it. I mean, they were less colorful than this one. Uh, and, and yeah, I got really all sucked into it. We spoke, at least on, on commentary, we spoke a lot about our favorite 90s players and guys who come to mind when you talk about the canary uh, canary yellow. Um, and yeah, my pick was Peter Taylor. Who would your pick be? Uh, like what player I, I, comes I, I, to I, mind? when? I was, I was, for me, it's hard for me to ever go past Steve Waugh. Dean Jones. How about Dean, Dean Jones? Dean Jones. Dean. I mean, Dean Jones was the master, right? I mean, that's the game that. Yeah. So, and you were there as well, Mel. Like, it had that feel, right? I mean, Australia were dressed in this really bright yellow as well, uh, which which added to the. And it was a beautiful day in Adelaide, so it kind of accentuated the yellow uh, that they were wearing. And uh, yeah, it had a feel. It, it had a good feel to it. Uh, I didn't expect fifteen thousand people to show up, honestly. So when I even drove into the parking lot and saw so many cars, I was very impressed. Yeah, well, I'd heard that they had only sold 5,000 tickets, but then the members showed up, good on the soccer members, um, and there seemed to be a lot of walk-ins sort of during yeah. the afternoon and this work finished. That's the beauty of um, of cricket in Adelaide uh, when, it, when it's on at night time. People knock off work. It was just a steady stream. I went out to have a look a couple of times. So so that was great to see. What what did you make of the match itself? I, I have to say, I felt really, I feel a bit sorry for for David Milan at, at the <laughs> moment because talk about you know he's had such an emotional roller coaster as the cliche goes, but what an emotional week all over the place. You know, is in the side in the World Cup, gets injured, misses the semi, is probably fit for the final, but they don't want to risk him or Mark Wood, so he misses out um, on being part of the the 11 in that World Cup side. And then he comes and he plays probably his best format and um, and scores an absolutely stunning 100 against Australia, but they still lose the match. Uh, so that was outstanding for me. I, I, Australia, look, it's like they just did what I kind of expected them to do. They did look fresher. Um, they lose nothing with Hede, as you like to call him, Travis Head coming into the side for Aaron Finch. Uh, and Steve Smith, it looked as probably as good, if not better, than he ever has in white ball cricket. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I think Australian cricket needed uh, to tick a few boxes that night or during that day uh, as well. Like after the whole flat, um, I wouldn't say flat performance, but just the the flat uh, attitude from the Australian public towards the team as well during that T20 World Cup and just how it played out for them, them not making the semi-finals. 
uh, they not only needed to win this game, that they also needed um, David Warner and Steve Smith to play Knox, uh, which kind of, you know, get the summer going. They needed them to raise their bats for sure. I was hoping for a David Warner century celebration. That's one thing that didn't happen that night. Uh, they needed Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark uh, firing on all cylinders, which they did with the new ball. I mean, Milan um, went after them much later on. Uh, but they bowled beautifully Stark to get that in-swinger in and getting uh, Jason Roy clean bowl. So I think the Australian cricket needed a day like that to just, you know, get this summer going. Otherwise, it felt like, uh, yeah, we've been... We, we just sat there waiting for uh, that energy to just come through, and and I sort of it did it did come through. And you're right about Steve Smith. Uh, I think ever since he went to Sri Lanka, he just seems to be striking the ball so much better than uh, he was even in Pakistan. Something has definitely clicked, and you can always make out with Steve Smith uh, when he's feeling very good about his batting. That the whole uh, the quirks that come about, like you know, in his batting, the mannerisms. Uh, do uh, they don't show up as much as they do when he's slightly more anxious. And we saw that. I mean, he's striking the ball beautifully, like he said, um, and, and just the rhythm to his innings. When he starts hitting a lot of boundaries early on, and you spoke about David Milan uh, or 50-over cricket being David Milan's best. I think when it comes to 50-over cricket, Steve Smith is one of the best Australia I've ever produced. It's just that his test numbers are so great and his T20 numbers aren't the best, that people always focus on those formats and forget about how good he is in 50-over cricket. So I think overall, um, it, 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 was a, it was a kind of match that Australia needed to kind of wake up uh, and wake everyone else up. And I mean, it was good to have Harry at the top of the order. And like, you know, I think I'm sure a lot of people came in, the members came in to see him do well and uh, it was good to see him make some runs. Absolutely. They're very, very parochial in, in Adelaide, as, as you well know, being now Adelaide's favourite son. We're going to talk talk a little bit more about the match and and focus a bit on the captaincy uh, after the break. So please stick around with us and we'll be back shortly. I'm Daniel Norcross. And I'm Rory Dollard. And between us, we are England Cricket on 99.94. We'll be every week looking at the ups, the downs, the runners, the riders, the news and the views on all things English cricket. And believe you me, there are plenty of ups and downs. Join us, England Cricket on 99.94. Uh, welcome back to Australia on 99.94 with Melinda Farrell and Bharat Sundaresan uh, just chatting ODIs. Uh, we saw Pat Cummins' first game as captain. There's been a lot of speculation, Bharat, about uh, the captaincy with Aaron Finch stepping down in the one-day format. A lot of talk surrounding whether David Warner could come back uh, in, and captain Australia if they decided to uh, lift the ban, his leadership ban. Uh, Pat Cummins said it was, it was interesting before we were there listening to him before the match talking about how almost like his captaincy could be a temporary solution focused just on the World Cup next year in 11 months' time in India. Australia have got, I forget how many games, how many games have Australia got? I, I like, think a dozen games before then. yeah. They've got 12 games, uh, and that might now be 11, um, before that World Cup. So that was interesting to hear him say that. Um, and as we were just talking about your your fellow South, South Australian, Hedy, um, I, I wonder, you know, Alex Carey's obviously had um, some leadership roles in, in white ball cricket, but for me it's, it almost seems tailor-made for for a head solution. Yeah, ooh, well done. Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, 
puns with Travis Head going doing the rounds on social media, especially after he oh, got out. Oh, because he got out on the naughty number. He did, unfortunately for him. Uh, he looked good for more. <laughs> but uh, no, you're right. Uh, when our Pat Cummins was made captain, my first thought was this kind of leaves the door ajar for David Warner to come in. Uh, because Pat Cummins, one of the first things he said as you pour water all over yourself, I mean, not in that way, but you know, just <laughs> you just missed the mark as you tried to take a gulp of water. <laughs> Speaking of head and naughty, naughty scores. Uh, <laughs> I think, <laughs> sorry, I think I lost my train of thought there. Uh, with Cummins, you know, if you saw it when he became test captain as well, right? Last year, Mel, he said, I'll be test captain if Steve Smith is my vice captain. And he hasn't said something as categorically as that about David Warner becoming captain, but he was one of those players, one of those teammates who said he would be happy to play under Warner before he himself got named as captain. And because we know he's not going to play every game. I mean, just look at Australia's schedule. They go to play four tests in India. Then they stay back to play three ODIs. I would be really surprised, even though Pat Cummins has taken a break from the IPL this time, uh, to see him play all four tests as captain and then lead Australia in all three ODIs. I mean, the broadcasters might have something to say about it. Uh, it it's just a really tough grind. Uh, and the Ashes and then again, one-day series in South Africa and India before the World Cup. You, it, it just seems unsurmountable to see for him to be able to play all, all those games. So the, there will be the door open to for someone to become captain. And because what David Warner is still on parole, uh, at least his leadership, uh, maybe he does step in at some point. I can totally picture that happening. But if not, you're right. I mean, uh, Travis Head has age on his side. He's uh, a few years younger than Alex Carey. He's been groomed to be a captain from a very young age, right? Whether it's with the Strikers or South Australia. So he's used to being captain. He was vice captain for Australia for a brief period as well in Test cricket. Uh, yeah, and if he can cement his place in the side... Um, and considering Australia just coming off having one opener have a pretty successful run as white ball captain, uh, it could well be, uh, yeah, we could well be heading heading into heady time. I See, it's funny. I've, I've been thinking about that, about Warner and the captaincy. And because, I mean, I, I personally felt there was an, overreac- an overreaction in some ways. Like, yeah, you know, it did go so far. But there's been so much talk lately about Australian cricket being on the nose and, you know, the whole thing with Langer departure and then people deciding that, you know, uh, that everyone's a, a woke princess or whatever yeah. that actually means um, because, God forbid, anyone should care about the environment. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the conclusion I've come to is that the fallout, we may be seeing the fallout still long-term, from Sandpapergate. And and the repair job on Sandpapergate, that the PR repairing that was done, yeah. I, I think might be a bit more fragile than people thought. Uh, so I had fans talking to me. It was, was interesting because, you know, I listen to what, what people say. I think it's going to be they're, they're going to have to take the temperature. I think it was probably the right thing that that he has his captaincy ban removed. But will that be accepted by the Australian public? And you don't want to knock something that's already proving to be quite fragile. So I think that's the decision that they're going to have to make. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Please feel free to tell us what you think uh, if, if you're listening. But I do know a lot of people have been saying things like that to me. 
all I'll say is it would not be a bad idea to make him captain on an away tour. Not a lot of Australians yeah. watch. <laughs> when, yeah, exactly. Uh, rather than do I, it during yeah. the home summer. Yeah, I mean, if it's away in India yep. or... I mean, how about making him captain when they go to South Africa next year and play those white ball games? That oh. how? What about... Uh, I mean, speak of redemption stories. That would be uh, quite something. Uh, that that would be quite something. I, I, I don't think they would do that. I think that might be a little step too far. But If they do, uh, you know where you heard it first. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe that would be something. But it would almost seem to be provocative, I think. It would be seen as quite provocative. And I don't know if they want to be provocative at the moment. Uh, look, we'll, we'll see. It shall reveal itself over time, I guess. Um, but we're going to take another short break. And when we are when we get back, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the show because uh, I've got to get to the ground soon and do some interviews. <laughs> I'm Neil Manthorpe, one half of South Africa on 99.94 with Lungani Zama. We're covering the Rainbow Nation as it undergoes its biggest transition since readmission. We cover every part of the South African game on 99.94 and you can hear us several times a week where you find your podcasts or on YouTube. Okay, welcome back to 99.94 with Bharat Sundaresan joining me, Melinda Farrell. Just uh, a quick one today because uh, we've got to get to the game. So you're probably listening to this during the game or just before, maybe after. I don't know. We'll do another one after this second ODI. Um, but on the subject of Warner, uh, we were talking about the captaincy, but but also he said some interesting things about retiring. I think a lot of people sort of expect players to retire from test cricket first, uh, say, like uh, Quinton de Kock, uh, and focus more on white ball stuff, particularly T20. Uh, but well, we've seen uh, Ben Stokes announce his retirement from ODI cricket, yeah. although there's talk he might unretire uh, in time for the World Cup Do next Serena year. Williams, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah why not? Why, as you would say, why not? Well, why um, not? Why not? Well, what what about Warner though? It, it's sounding like he's going uh, that way as well. Yeah, uh, and and look, uh, you're right. What the trend we've seen in the last few years is, if you are someone like Quinton de Kock in your late twenties, early thirties, uh, and not from one of the big three countries, if, uh, you know, India, Australia, or England, or a country where your board doesn't pay you as much as the others, uh, you tend to go. Uh, into that freelance mode or start thinking about it anyway. So give up test cricket and start playing more white ball cricket. But we've seen if you are on uh, 34 and beyond, um, and especially from one of these three big countries, uh, you kind of give up test cricket. Oh, sorry, uh, you give up white ball cricket and just focus on test cricket because there are more marquee series that get played between these three countries anyway, right? The Ashes or Australia, India or India Tour or Australia Tour or whichever uh, mix you want to use. Uh, and if you look at where Australia are going in the next 12 months, they have four tests in India, five tests in England, plus hopefully the World Test Championship final. Uh, and then what's the motivation for someone like a David Warner? Because the next Ashes is not until 25, 26. Um, and the next Aust- India Tour of Australia is not until 24, 25. So uh, there's still a long way to go for that. What is interesting with David Warner is... Um, I remember it clearly. It was at the Adelaide Oval in 2019 um, after he made, I think, the triple hundred or possibly it was after he made that hundred. I, I think it was after he made that hundred against Sri Lanka and the T20i when he was asked about, you know, his future. Um, and he spoke at this is before COVID as well. Uh, at that point, it almost felt like 
he would give white ball cricket up first, one by one, and then keep playing test cricket till the very end. Of course, the whole landscape of cricket has changed since. So it was interesting to listen to him, what, three years later, in the same press conference room in Adelaide, uh, talk about how maybe after the 50-over World Cup, he said, uh, for me, the motivation is to play World Cups and win World Cups. And the 50-over World Cup next year is uh, in India. That's just 10 months away. But the one after that would be four years later where I would be 41. So what's the motivation for me to play in that? Um, and, and similarly with Test Cricket, maybe you know he feels after an Ashes and India tour, two places where he has a point to prove, right? Um, I mean, David Warner has a point to prove most times. Uh, so uh, hey, maybe he can get runs in those series and maybe play the home summer and retire. So it's interesting. And he's... We all thought we had seen the last of him in T20I cricket after that game against Afghanistan when... Uh, and it would, what an end it would have been as well, right? He was bold looking like a right-hander or trying to bat as a right-hander, clean bold, which would have been a great... A funny end to David Warner. I mean, it should be the apt end because he came onto the scene, burst onto the scene playing switch hits and for his career to end, if it had ended that day in that format where he gets bold trying to be a right-hander would have been quite something. But clearly, he wants to play on till the T20, uh, 2024 T20 World Cup um, and good on him. So that World Cup, if you think, is not as far away as the 2027 50-over World Cup. So, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting how different players have different views and also how their thoughts about uh, retirement and taking um, one format away also keeps evolving um, even as, uh, as world cricket evolves. Yeah, well, that, we all know just how cray-cray the uh, schedule mm. is. I was about to say that shit crazy, but I'm not sure if I'm allowed to, to say that. But Oh, I said it anyway. But it Ha-ha. is crazy. <laughs> it is completely crazy, this schedule. Uh, and, I, I mean, I think a lot of players uh, will be assessing that over the next kind of 12 months because because now we do have an ITC event Every year, every year, I've I've scheduled every year up until 2030, but I can't see them going back to not having one one year. So, you know, how do players do that? And and it's funny when you think of the the Ben Stokes thing as well, and how that relates. If you know, you end up seeing really good players uh, that just play basically in the lead up to a World Cup and not not otherwise. It it may be interesting how that might affect team harmony in a way as well. But you can see players doing that. Like like I said, there's only, um, I think England only have uh, 11 games or something like that uh, left before the World Cup as well. So I think a lot of these teams have have around about 10 games. It's It's not that many, is it? And they're not playing, it's not like they're playing list A cricket either. So, sort of going to be quite interesting. And that, that makes this series interesting in a way as well because now oh, we're going back to one-day cricket after T20 cricket. Um, and you know, stop playing with the hat if you're just listening. He, he can't stop preening himself. He's checking himself out. He's, he's like fixing his hat and putting it on a rakish angle. See, this is what happens because he's now um, Australia's favourite son, Adelaide's favourite oh. son. And he's on it's TV just because of that one cute picture on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and you even sent me a text saying how cute <laughs> is my Twitter profile. I look, I can't believe how good I look. <laughs> oh, vanity, vanity. We're gonna have to, <laughs> we're gonna have to do something about it. Um, look, we're, I'm gonna have to duck off. It's only so mm. only a shorter pod today. Um, but I think we'll this is to- this is this is a record, Mel. 
You and I and have the... finished covering three topics in 20 minutes. Maybe we need to be under the, uh, uh, like, in, in a crunch situation every time so that we finish on time. This is very good. Yeah, we work, we work best under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> T20 pressure. Uh, look, we'll be back and we'll see what happens in this next T20. Uh, T20. I'm still in T20 mode. And this next ODI, if uh, England are, have got the rust and the dust out of their system uh, after being pretty convincingly beaten in the first uh, in the first ODI. So we'll uh, wait and see what happens. We'll come back and see you. And um, oh, look, I've lost my place. Here we are. Oh, that's what I have to say. Thanks for listening to Australia on 99.94, where we speak cricket. When do we speak cricket? Every day. Well done. Uh, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at BeastieBoy07 and at Melinda Farrell. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. Cricket, every day, your way. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle, or padel as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!